This is Retail Retold, the story of how that store ended up in your neighborhood. I'm your host, Chris Ressa, and I invite you to join my conversation with some of the retail industry's biggest influencers. This podcast is brought to you by DLC Management. Placer.ai is the world's most advanced foot traffic analytics platform, providing unprecedented visibility with accurate and actionable insights into the foot traffic analytics and consumer demand surrounding any location. Placer observes anonymized location data from a panel of over 30 million devices in the U.S. They then analyze the data with AI and machine learning algorithms to make estimations on visit trends for any retail location anywhere in the country. The platform empowers professionals in retail and commercial real estate to maximize their offline activities with reporting capabilities that include visit trends, true trade areas, cannibalization, void analysis, demographics, cross-shopping, favorite places, and much more. Try it for free at www.placer.ai. Welcome to Retail Retold, everyone. I'm Chris Ressa, here with Jason Millett from Cracker Barrel and Maple Street Biscuit. We are live from ICSE Vegas 2022. Welcome to the show, Jason. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. So this is my first time doing a podcast in Vegas, so I'm excited. We got this cool background. We got everyone here. Um, how's your show going? It's been great. I'm, I've got a few blisters, but it's been good so far. How, uh, when did you get in? Came in Saturday. It's been three years, so I thought it was, it was time to come in maybe a little early and, and have a little socializing. All right, that's fun. Did you get to do the pool and all that fun stuff? Did the pool, did the nice reunion dinner with uh, about 12 of my former colleagues. We all got together. It's something we do every Saturday night, every ICSE, and then uh, hit the tables. And I'm not doing too well there. So I, I played blackjack last night, and I lost my gambling money in 27 minutes and I'm like what do I do now I was so frustrated don't try to get it back I know that's what you do don't, don't I get know. it back just have dinners and drinks and, I know. and see your friends I know I, it was I like a good blackjack game I don't know what you like that's what we did that night uh, Jason a mutual friend of ours is up six or seven hundred dollars I decided to have Huge too many tequilas probably gave back <laughs> 300 in about 27 seconds so yeah I'm, I'm probably done gambling myself okay uh so you're with Cracker Barrel, and I think everyone knows Cracker Barrel. If you don't know Cracker Barrel, um, I think everyone knows Cracker Barrel. Yeah, I was gonna say 50 years of knowing Cracker Barrel, almost 700 locations. Right. There's probably one near an interstate near you. Right. But they have a new concept. Yep. Maple Street Biscuit. So a couple years ago, we bought uh, Maple Street Biscuit Company. They're based out of, or at that time, were founded and uh, built out of Jacksonville, Florida. That founder um, and his executive team are still with us. They actually relocated to Nashville. They're part of the growth with us, but we're very excited to have um, you know a concept to be growing. And what food breakfast is like the fastest growing segment of um, of all retail. So we're happy to have a brand and concept to grow that. And tell us a little bit about the brand. What is Maple Street? It's Maple Street. It's very elevated. Don't I guess don't necessarily be on a keto diet and, and try to go find a Maple Street. Um, but it's very elevated biscuits, chicken and waffles, uh, shrimp and grits. It's encourage everyone to go check out the menu. Um, maybe not on a diet day again. Um, we're looking for typically 2,800 square feet, 3,000 square foot in caps out in front of your primary daily needs, Whole Foods, Targets, HEBs in Texas, Publix is in Florida. Um, 
high profile intersection. And so this, how many locations now? So the concept's about 50, uh, Maple Street itself has about 50, but under our new model, if you will, our new real estate uh, with Cracker Barrel acquiring it, we'll probably have five. We've got another five set to open between here and the end, end of the year, and, and maybe more depending on delays. I mean, I think we're all seeing a lot of flux, uh, you know, a lot of hard times in the sense of deliveries and counting on things, but yeah, hopefully another five. And do, is this going to be a chain that can be as big as Cracker Barrel? Um, you know, I think it can go sky's the limit. We've mainly been targeting just from Texas to, to the southeast and starting to make a push into the Midwest. Uh, we just signed a lease with Washington Prime here the last few days ago that will push us into Ohio. And, um, I, you know, I think realistically in the next five years, maybe it's 200 to 250 units, but over the next 50 years, like Cracker Barrel, maybe we could get to six or, six or 700. And I think one of the buzzwords coming into this show was drive-through. Is it drive-through? No, I mean, I think that's smart for uh, a lot of concepts to prioritize the apps and the drive-throughs and things like that in today's world. Um, it's not part of our prototype, but sometimes we've incorporated them if we've taken a second gen and there's a drive-through there, um, but it's not necessarily part of our model. Walk us through the location is it wait staff is it talk, walk us through no, that it's, uh, you're coming through the door and you're and you're ordering up front um, with but it's not a waiter or sit down like a panera like chipotle yeah. but see i think it's fun is that at panera you get a little red buzzer right and yeah says, hey your food's ready for us it's like that day of the week it could be like what's your favorite sitcom and usually you notice that there's a lot of like Seinfeld, Seinfeld's ready, Seinfeld's like, well, is that your food or my food? But <laughs> we, uh, we try to make it fun and incorporate Oh, that's it. pretty so, cool. Like, you know, what's your favorite, um, what was it, what, last time I was there? It's like, what was your favorite childhood snack? Man, you just put me on the spot. So wow. I, I went with like a, I think it was like a fruit bar, you know, fruit something, roll, uh, roll up, fruit roll up. Um, yeah, so we just change it up that way a little bit. And then when your food's ready, they call out fruit roll up and go get your food and sit down. So you're able to kind of come in and have a great elevated meal, but without sitting there for an hour, an hour and a half, you know, waiting for your waiter to get you your food. I might have said Airheads. Airheads. Have you ever had, you've had Airheads? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, my, my kids would probably tell me a lot of different things, Skittles, this and that. But, uh, Airheads. I liked Airheads, and then I moved into, I think, Cheetos. I went the other way. I went into the salty, cheesy. I, I go by my kids, everything that I liked, and they don't, it, it just sits in the pantry. <laughs> I'm like, what are you saying about my taste? <laughs> How many kids do you have now? Uh, two. So um, I've got a five-year-old daughter who, uh, she's a character. She's, we've learned a lot of things through her in, in COVID, but I have a nine-year-old son who's actually playing right this second in his playoff baseball game. So when we're done here, I got to check in on it. Awesome. Uh, he, you live in Allen, so I imagine Allen's got good baseball. Yes, we do. You have all good all uh, sports. We do. Uh, you know our baseball state, our football, football stadium, stadium right yeah. there, Kyler Murray. Um, but yeah, we're undefeated, and he got player of the game last week. And like I said, we're first playoff game tonight. What positions he play? Uh, shortstop, second base, and someday he'd like to pitch. Okay. So I have a five-year-old, three-year-old, five-year-old daughter, three-year-old son. So we're in T-ball phase. Ooh. We're in T-ball phase. I kind of skipped that. Yeah. I was like, I don't know if I have the patience to do that. Yeah, one. I hear you. So I ask everyone three questions that are so somewhat challenging, but put you on the spot a bit. 
I'm gonna ask him, are you ready? Yeah. All right, all right, question one. We call this clear the air. Get to know Jason a little bit. Question one. What is one skill you don't possess but wish you did? the future I, have a I like that ball. okay you know, a little Notre Dame action because right. right now I should say something in the construction world I wish I had this skill to build electrical meters and, and order electric cans six months in advance but no I think I wish I had a little more visionary ability okay know? I like that question two when's the last time you tried something for the first time I tell my son that every day. I was like, even if you, so I don't like. That. I was like, how do you know if you don't try it? So actually, I do. If I tried something new, um, yet the other day, I don't really drink uh, IPA beers, and I'm, I'm not. I know that sounds crazy. I'm a bourbon guy. Okay. And I literally was like, all right, what, fine. What is this whole IPA thing about? Because right. everybody, it's like the trendy thing, right? So I tried that. Last question. What is one thing most people agree with, but you do not? I think uh, waiting for Christmas morning um, presents. Uh, okay. I don't, you know, it's like, I'll tell you what, I'll change that up there. I think uh, so many people, my wife always does this for gifts now, it's like gift cards, right? Yeah. Everybody agrees to give a gift card or cash, and I'm like, nah, I actually like the thought of gifts and going and do something. So I don't ever do gift cards. I like I that. Usually, my, for my wife, I do experiences. Like, her gift is usually like we went to Nashville this year, or actually we were here in Vegas in February for the uh, World Trade Conference. So I usually gift a, an experience or something that required a thought versus here's the gift card. I love it. My wife spoiled me. Do you golf? I used to before the two kids. Okay, Thanks, I, I understand. A rough one. So my wife got me a golf trip to Kiowa. Man, that's once in a lifetime. So I went to Kiowa in early April um, and got to play Ocean Course and wow. stuff. It was really cool. Uh, if you've never been to Kiowa, you need to go. I've been around it, not you know, not been in, not that experience. It was it was really cool. So I'm with you on the experiences. So. When did you guys, back to Maple Street, when, when did you guys buy Maple Street? It was a little over, I think it was in late 2019, you know, right before COVID. But. And have you gotten to open any of them yet? Yeah, so we've, um, we've just opened in Keller, Texas. We've got, we just opened in the quarry down in San Antonio and Pembroke Pines, Florida. Are you opened in Pembroke Pines? We did, and we're doing very, very well there. Very happy with all of them that are opening. We've just opened short pump in uh, Richmond Market. Yeah, I know it. Um, we've got- Where'd you go in short pump? In the Whole Foods Center? You know, it's just, it's on that drag, just south- On West Broad? On, and yeah, just on the, on Broadway. Um, and so that's, it's been exciting getting these things open, but it's not an easy time and place to be opening these things either. Yeah, let's talk about that. So it's pretty competitive for the type of space you're looking for, right? Everyone's got a new food concept. Everyone wants to be on the out parcels and visible yep. end cap drive-through type spaces uh, in the food sector, right? So, and you guys kind of, what markets was Maple Street in? When you bought them, yeah. When they uh, when we acquired them, they had a nice uh, portfolio that consisted of around Jacksonville. Obviously, they had three or four in Atlanta, um, Chattanooga. They had two or three there, and so mainly in the heart of the deep, you know, like the 
just move south if you will southeast. Um, the difference though today is that they did a little more downtown locations and like for instance they're down in city center in downtown Chattanooga, which is it, it does really really well. Um, we've just tried to take a, the model and tweak it a little bit, if you will, and be a little more prime in the end caps we choose and from the daily needs and a little more regional in nature. Um, but and suburban, right? Because yeah, those yeah. are a little more urban, right? They are, and, and then we you know, have done some things in, in Atlanta, for instance, in Woodstock. It, it's worked, but it was more of interior stuff, and sometimes in the business we'll call it like B real estate, if you will, and then B minus, things like that. We've just tried to elevate that real estate up to the A level. And, and, um, but the food speaks for itself. I mean, it, you, the feedback is just so positive once we get them open. And I'll, I'll tell you, my, my wife, my kids, everybody just experienced the brand and just loved it. Did you did you take your family to the one in Keller? Uh, not yet, because we've been it just opened and I've been traveling. But we we had one in Frisco, Texas. We have one there. And before I accepted the job, I was like, well, we got to try this out, don't we, honey? And it was kid approved. My twin brother was in town, so it was like twelve of us went to the Maple Street in Frisco. And when everybody left away, like you know, thumbs up. I was like, okay, I guess I'll take that job. Okay. I'm thrilled to be helping them grow. And. So the Keller one, that was the first one that your team did since you were on the team? Since I've been on board, it's, um, there's been others that have opened um, throughout the country that it, I can't say that it was, you know, me. I've, I'm still waiting for anything that I've been involved with directly. I've been involved with helping to get it across the finish line. For instance, I was at the Planning and Zoning Commission meeting for Keller, the City Council meeting for Keller, just to make sure we could get that patio approved. And, you know, it's just not an easy time. We all kind of have to chip in in different ways to get these things open and wouldn't believe, and I'm sure other retailers could empathize with what we're talking about, is like the things that are happening, the you know, concrete's on back order, HVAC's gonna take you 18 weeks out of China to get, I mean, it's just such a hard time that we really put our noses down and figured it out as a team. And it's a, I'm curious how it's going, how Cracker Barrel's viewing this because a little bit different real estate strategy. Cracker Barrel owns a lot of their real estate. Yep, uh, historically, and I mean, it's two, they're two acre sites, interstate. Yeah. These are usually eight to 10,000 square foot in cap, you know, multi tenant buildings, and so it's different. But, you know, they've been in the business of 50 years, and so they've got a pretty good understanding of what works and doesn't for food and restaurant and how to operate. But um, I would say the best thing they've done is brought in a great team of, of you know, people I work with. And, Thus far, it's worked. And are the, is the, is it integrated in Cracker Barrel? Is Cracker Barrel people working on Maple Street, or is it like a separate it's business? Integrated. I mean, I I work for Cracker Barrel. I would just say on the Maple Street team, if you will. Um, they Maple Street's leadership and founder, great crew. Uh, they have their own executive uh, dynamic, and they are officed in Nashville with us, but very much integrated. But you know, I think sometimes you buy concepts and and then they just go away. And you know, this is a partnership, and it's been a great one. Yeah, that's really cool. And you, how are you looking at markets? Because you're in Pembroke Pines, Keller. You're looking everywhere in the Sun Belt. What do you? We try to be strategic with it somewhat. I mean, it's easy to prioritize Florida and Texas right now with all the migration that's been happening into those states. But um, but even if you say Texas, there's you can go to a million markets. Yes, yeah, so we, but we're, you know, we wouldn't go put one just out in Houston without the thought process of having a second, a third, a fourth around it. Um, but we've been very much, I would say, opportunistic in that regard. And um, and I think you get to understand it's whenever you're going to bring it, it's not a race. It's a, you know, it's not a 
speed race, it's a marathon. And so um, we do have a long-term plan to get this, this concept up to a couple hundred units or more. And in doing that, we're taking the best real estate in the best markets and then we'll continue to grow around them. But I don't, I don't think we're saying, hey, you need to go put four here or two here. Um, we're be, very much being opportunistic as to what the quality of sites are. It's funny you say that because I think there's some brands that would say, no, when you have a new brand, you have to go pedal to the metal and open as many as you can as fast as you can. And, you know, you're, you're obviously taking a more methodical approach, a measured approach than that, not just, you know, spraying I mean, I, stores everywhere. I will tell you that I, I can say something and hopefully I'm saying we, you know, I'm thinking that everybody around us in our team feels the same way, that you don't really have a brand until you've actually, you know, until we've earned it up. And for me, and I think we, would be like the next 15 to 20 or 25. And we've got 50 units, I don't mean that, but we have a new real estate strategy, if you will. And so if we're gonna really take this brand to where we think it needs to go, the next 15, 20, 25 units, they can't be like, oh, well, good, you know, we wish, we thought it would do better, you know, things like that. So we're being very methodical in the quality of sites we take. And I once made a joke, and I was joking, I said the word, well, that's the concession to be in this market. And, uh, People was me, was like, well, we don't make concessions. I thought he was joking. But I get it. You know, at the end of the day, the ones that are making concessions and just trying to meet quotas and store count and maybe go IPO or all that doesn't mean you're doing the best deal for your brand. And so we're trying to be very qualitative in what we do. That's uh, really interesting. Talk to me about the AUV. Is it similar to, how is it comparing to other brands that everyone knows? Well, I'll tell you, you know, the historic AUV, um, you know, they're in 3,000 square feet. It's it's growing with the new real estate that we do. So we have to kind of project what we think the new real estate's going to come out. And so we don't have a lot of data points to say that, like, this is it. But um, I'm saying we're, the brand was here. We're definitely going to here. And I have direct, I used to work for First Watch for a while, and I understand their company really well. And per square foot, we're right, right up there or beyond those uh, concepts, other breakfast concepts. So we're very happy in where we are, but we've got to get, you know, 50 locations open in this model to really know what that AUV is going to be. But we're exceeding per square foot, you know, our own expectations, if you will. That's fantastic. The, what are the hours? I think they can fluctuate case by case, but typically around 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. Okay. So, um, you know, it's, it's really that core breakfast, lunch, brunch segment of the business. And I imagine Saturday, Sunday, big. How is Monday through Friday? So I don't think you can do the real estate that we're expecting ourselves to get into, this grade A stuff, if you don't have a seven day a week business. And so you've got to have a dynamic. Your weekends are going to be your, your you know, majority, call it 50, 55% of your business. Right. Um, but you're going to pay the bills and, and the difference between success and let's call it hitting a single or a triple is going to be having a seven day a week business and being able to generate you know, 40, 45% of your business during Monday through Friday also. So in that regard, we do a lot of targeting of uh, daytime populations, employees, and we're you know, evaluating trade areas. We're looking for over 50,000 employees within five miles. And so that doesn't mean we're near your, necessarily down the street from your house. We're near your house, but also your employers. And, and that's a Monday through Friday kind of mentality. I love this segue because it brings me in a hybrid work. How are we figuring out daytime population in this hybrid remote work world? 
That's a good question. Um, <laughs> actually, uh, our director of Cracker Barrel, um, and myself, and our other dealmaker, we've taken six, I think, analytic meetings today. Uh, and over the next two days, we're meeting with all kinds of different groups to kind of dig in on those things in advance. You know, how can we better make site selection decisions and what information are we using to process that? I asked that same question today about, well, census is 2020, 2010, 2000. I think it's cell data, but these are some of the questions I was asking them too. In probably 20 years in this business, I probably took one analytical or you know, demographic meeting at ICSE. We're quadrupling that just today, so um, that'll be a good question to ask tomorrow. Yeah, I, 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 I've been wondering, because I think I, I interviewed on a panel the a large F45 fitness, if you know the chain, yeah, franchisee. Yeah, yeah. I said, what's been the biggest change operationally? And he said, I've had to hire people daytime because people are staying home, so I have to have daytime classes because they want to come in during lunch and work out. And that was interesting because if you were a business that was focusing on daytime pop where that person worked before, that customer's gone because they don't go to the office anymore. I think it's ever changing. Um, the way that we've looked at real estate, I think the one safe way to combine those two is that when you're chasing daily needs, grocery anchored centers traditionally, that means you're probably near somewhat of the residential, and then when you're targeting the employee counts that we are, you know, I would call it kind of a uh, hybrid site selection. You could go and do a, a really neighborhood grocery center anywhere, or you could go do the Mall of Georgia, right? But if we're targeting daily needs and employee counts, we're kind of taking the two together and putting them in, and that's, I'm excited about, we have a location in Katy, Texas opening this summer, that is really indicative of that. It's very strong HEB, in cap, great income, it's dense. It meets all those things that you would find like at Mall of Georgia, right, but yeah. it's convenient to your home. And for me, I look at it as like, you know, what did COVID teach us? It said that we don't have to leave our houses at all, really. I mean, even the liquor store is delivering these days. But if you're gonna leave, let's make it convenient to your grocery and not too far. And I think if you're gonna go get a cup of coffee, which we have an incredible, you know, nat we sell our own beans and whole, it's just a great co uh, coffee selection there. Or you're getting your breakfast, I feel like it's convenience too, and it's close to your home. But if we're doing that and 50,000 employees in our evaluation of it, I think we're hybriding it. Cool. Well, we, I would argue you need to leave your home if you look at everything. You can't make money with clicks without the bricks is our biggest thing there. <laughs> you see the whole tower. So um, we have this whole branding theme in this show that the store won and you need physical retail um, yeah. for a million reasons. You could read some of the reasons why. Yeah. Uh, but to your, to your point, I mean, I can't think of a retailer today that is not necessarily up in this environment. I mean, you were told to sit at home, but they're still up. Yeah. We all figure it out. It's just, everybody's still leaving their homes. I just think it's more about convenience. Shopping's never going to change. You want to get out, feel and touch and, and, and be a part of whatever you're interacting with. Um, I just think it needs to be convenient to you, more so than the past. Okay. We are at the end of day one of the show. Uh, it's been pretty busy. Our booth's been busy. The floor's been busy. Uh, I know you're going to get back to it. I'm sure you got dinners and everything going on. I got three rapid-fire questions for you at the end. Okay, we and you ready? Yep. All right. What extinct retailer do you wish would come back from the dead? Logic-wise, it would probably be like a, two, uh, a Toys R Us or something, but 
I just watched that uh, Netflix show, The Last Block Blockbuster. Yeah. And it and we have movie night every Friday night with my kids, and that came out of COVID. And so to be able to take them to go pick out their candy at a Blockbuster and do that thing, they even that smell yeah. that was there, that it'd be Blockbuster. Okay. You ever go to the movies with them? Yeah, we. I mean, definitely. And it, another reason it would be nice to have Blockbuster again. It's, it's like seventy dollars, <laughs> and they have to have the candy, the drinks, and the popcorn. But that's our. It's kind of our treat with the kids is the movies once a week. All right. Question two: What is the last item over twenty dollars you bought in a store? I told you my five-year-old girl is uh, is you know she's energetic and all those things. Well, she graduated pre-K last week, and I was like, well, honey, we got to get her something as a gift. And I'm like, well, what does she like? She loves WWE wrestling. And <laughs> she's been watching them with me all the way back to like 1985 with Junkyard Dog and Jake the Snake Roberts. And oh so my we God. Went to Walmart, we found her. Macho we her, Man Randy Savage. We got her the, the ring set up and all that kind of stuff. And so that was it. And I was like, this is over 20 bucks for just a little figure. Um, but she just eats it up. In fact, last week they had. Um, what are you going to be, like, future job addresses, what you want to be? She dressed up as Ronda Rousey with her little re- W wrestling belt. Oh, my things. God. Yeah, she's, she's, she's a character. Last question. Uh, if you and I were shopping at Target and I lost you, what aisle would I find you in? Pretty good. I would have said probably trying to find the Pokemon cards for my son or the wrestling for my daughter, but my uh, wife recently bought me one of those uh, vinyl record players. And I didn't know that I was gonna like it. Oh my god! But I've been catching myself every time I'm in those stores with they have that, and, and they're there. I didn't even know there was an aisle for it. But yeah, I go shop the vinyl record selection and see if I find something that kind of just, you know, again nostalgic, you know, something I would want to get into. So yeah. Excellent. Well, Jason, you've been great. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for doing this live in Vegas. I hope our team makes a deal in Allen. Yes. And uh, good Thanks luck. Seeing good seeing you again. You too. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Retail Retold. If you want to share a story about a retail real estate deal that you were a part of on our show, please reach out to us at retailretold at dlcmgmt.com. This show highlights the stories behind the deals from all perspectives, so it doesn't matter if you are a retailer, broker, entrepreneur, architect, or an attorney. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Retail Retold so you don't miss out on next Thursday's episode.